Hi, and welcome back to SU Buzz. I'm your host, Lauren, and today I'm joined with Mandy Hughes, who is a lecturer of sociology at Alcoff's Harbour campus. She is a passionate teacher who is also a researcher in refugee studies, regional communities, and food studies as well, with experience in working with ABC and SBS. Mandy has also partnered with Anglicare North Coast on a project called Three E's to Freedom since 2016, a project that helps migrant and refugee women find education, employment and empowerment. I would like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional custodians and owners of the land on which we meet upon today, the Yigumbe and the Kobameri people. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Firstly, a big welcome to you, Mandy. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Um, Sociology is something that's always sort of fascinated me a little bit. It's interesting to see how um, cultures merge and, and bind together. I wanted to ask you, where did your passion for researching and working with refugees come from? Well, it's very much linked to sociology, I guess, because sociology is so much about promoting ideas around social justice and equity. And um, yes, it, it's the study of society. It's interested in you know patterns and, and what, what happens, but particularly it's interested in issues like inequality. Um, so I think that's sort of quite a nice connection to refugee studies. And because I work mostly with people from refugee backgrounds living in regional areas, there's a whole range of different issues that we can have a look at um, just in terms of, of ensuring that people that are settling in our regional communities are empowered to have the best life that they can because they've obviously had significant challenges that they've faced and, and trauma and, and complex issues. Doing our best in regional communities to support that, um, I think that's, uh, that, that's where the connection comes from. That's how the two are linked and that's something that I really love working in that space. Have you always known that you wanted to work with refugees and, and teach and as well from a young age? Because I know that <laughs> when you're in school it's like, you know, figure out your career and you, you go to uni and do that. Was this something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, I've sort of gone about it in a bit of a, a roundabout kind of way, actually. Um, look, I think I was always interested in social sciences or social studies, as it was called, you know, way back when I was at school. Um, yeah, I loved in high school, I did Asian studies. We had a subject in school called Asian studies, which, you know, doesn't really exist anymore. But it was always the social studies stuff that really spoke to me. Um, and then, but I was also interested in communication as well and so I had a few different issues and, and and visual art too so I sort of had these three sort of um subject areas that I was interested in and then I did a bit of traveling I came back and then I actually studied anthropology at uni which is quite connected to sociology They're, they often sit in the same discipline um sociology is a bit broader, so it's looking at society much more broadly, whereas anthropology is very much focused on cultures, so thinking about people's culture of origin. So I sort of went down this path, you know, being interested in cultures, um, but I had this interest in how you actually communicate that, how you can communicate stories 
particularly stories of disadvantage, but stories also about culture and representing cultures. And so actually, when I finished uni, my first job was in television. So I got a job with SBS, um, which was fantastic because I was able to work in communicating stories, um, drawing on media skills. I had actually done some media stuff um, in year 11 and 12, but I was able to focus on the, on the cultural issues. So that was a really nice way of, of bringing the two together. That's amazing. So so you worked on SBS and ABC. How, how did that go for you? What what was something that um, you learnt from that experience? Sure. Yeah. Look, I, I learnt so much. <laughs> so, so that was, it was nearly 10 years actually that, that I was working in media. Um, I was working in Canberra in the press gallery and it, it was an entry-level position that I started in, in SBS. It was a camera assistance job. So I was able to learn so much on the job. I was able to learn sound recording, filming, editing, um, lots of really great stuff. And then I, I got those really good production sort of foundational skills that paired well with the, with the knowledge that I'd gained at university around cultural issues. And then I, I guess I really had this interest in documentary and I wanted to actually be producing my own stories and, and being able to draw on all of those different skills and experience and um, and tell those stories about cultural issues. So I then I moved to a different job with ABC that was more editing focused and then from there I actually moved into research and producing and I produced a program about social issues. So it, that was nice to kind of bring all of those different threads together. Um, so, yeah, a really amazing time, actually. I loved, loved my time working in media and, and I, just, um, I just had so many experiences and learned so many things that I still draw on all the time. Like this was back kind of in the 90s and early 2000s and, um, I mean, I, I draw on those skills all the time in my teaching and research, so it's been really beneficial. Would you say that it, like it really shapes the way you work, um, like in teaching and in research? Yeah, look, I think it does. I think, I mean, working in television, obviously, it's a, a visual medium, and so I'm really interested in, in communicating, you know, in different ways, including, you know, visually as well as written word and through sound as well. I guess it, it's kind of fed into my teaching because after I worked in television, I actually uh, did some tutoring at uni and then I decided I was really enjoying teaching and I, I ended up doing a secondary teaching qualification and I, I actually taught in, in schools for a while in Canberra um, and I was teaching media studies. And so I had all that practical experience that I was able to draw on in my teaching and I think that helped you know for it to make more sense to my students because I was able to draw on real world experiences and I think you know having those practical examples it makes it much more meaningful so um, in that way I was able to utilize those skills but I guess generally in my teaching I'm always trying to look at different types of media to use and and to um, to share ideas in different ways, you know, rather than, say, in sociology, just teaching a theory and, and just asking the students to read about it, I, I try to kind of come up with, with different ways um, to share that information. So, you know, maybe a video or some images or, or something else, like trying to make it quite media rich, I suppose. But the other thing just in relation to my research is that when I started teaching, so I've been teaching now at SCU for about 13 years, 
I, when I decided I wanted to do a PhD, I started doing my research and I just kept imagining it visually in my head. And then I just made this decision. I really want to communicate my research through audiovisual form. And so I ended up making a documentary as part of my PhD. The, the film that you produced, what was that about? How important was that for you? So my PhD was about Myanmar refugees in Coffs Harbour and the topic was actually about food. And so when I started doing that research, it was just going to be a standard written thesis and I was interested in the, the social and cultural aspects of food, so really drawing on my sociology and anthropology. And as I started to meet people, people would invite me into their homes and they'd cook and they'd share the food and and I guess because I'd had that media experience, I just kept on thinking, oh, yeah, this it needs to be a film because I wanted to actually communicate it to a broad audience. I didn't just want to do something that was very academic and that was going to sit in a library and not necessarily um, have people, you know, the broader community engage with it. And so I thought that making a documentary was the way to do that. And also it seemed really important for the participants that I was working with for them to be able to tell their stories and obviously you know a documentary it's going to be edited so there is that process but it was still their voices and it was the participants in their own homes you know you could see their the setting they lived in you could see their gardens you could see their family um it it was about sort of communicating a, a broader picture that that I felt I couldn't have provided with the written word. So, so that's sort of why I decided to do that. Um, it was the most amazing experience because the people I was working with, they were really into it because it was their stories and they loved talking about food. And so it was sort of this um, collaborative project, I suppose you'd say, and, and it was very much about making sure they were happy with how they were being represented. So I was sort of showing them what, what I'd filmed getting their feedback and we were kind of working on it together. So so that that was sort of what the um the process was like, I suppose. And then once the film was finished, uh, we had a big screening in Coffs Harbour and all, all of the people in the film came along and there were about 200 people at the screening and it was um, I could see that they felt really proud to share their stories and that, that was really important to me. So to me that was the success of the project. I've been a little bit hooked on SBS food at the moment. Um, my favourite uh, show is The Cook and the Chef with um, with uh, Maggie Beer and it's amazing. And since I moved, back, moved out, I've been used, like hooked on that. Um, and I think that Australia has a very diverse sort of country and we really love like different cuisines and trying food. And, and the thing about that, it's, it's kind of funny because sometimes people think when we talk about different cultural foods and when we connect that to multiculturalism that that's just a bit shallow and that it's sort of like, oh, you know, it's not just about eating other people's foods but actually food is really, really important to people and it's such a strong link back to your culture and it can really um, invoke a whole lot of memories and really positive memories, especially for people, you know, from refugee backgrounds who've, who've experienced trauma. Um, so it is actually much deeper and much more powerful, I think, than, than sometimes we, we think it is. I guess it's also a connection to your land and, like, where you come from and your, yeah, your f- family and it's amazing how much 
people don't realize that food, yeah, is a really powerful thing to a lot of people, especially I could imagine, especially refugees as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's actually quite transportable because when people flee the place that they come from, I mean, they can't take much with them, but they've got the recipes, you know, they've got those memories inside their head. And also something I found in my research is that well, Coffs Harbour is a really great climate for growing food. It's really, you know, conducive to that. And in a lot of ways, it's similar to Myanmar. And a lot of the people <clears throat> in Coffs Harbour who come from Myanmar had a farming background and they're able to grow the foods that they grew at home. And so they've almost transformed the landscape in a way, especially the families that, you know, have are lucky enough to have a big backyard or they access a community garden or something like that. They've, they've been able to grow these crops that we didn't really see in Coffs Harbour before and they've able to make been able to make it like home, which again is a really um, kind of therapeutic thing and really enhances well-being. Yeah, I could imagine. I'd never thought of Cross Harbour to be like a, you know, like like the equivalent of maybe South Australia or something where you would where all those beautiful things are grown and whatnot, or Queensland as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a specific climate and certain things grow really, really well here. And it's just lucky enough that it's a lot of the things that the people from refugee backgrounds in Coffs grew at home. So that that's worked really well for a lot of communities. Like, what do you think about Australia's sort of food scene, how we have a little bit of everything compared to other countries? I think it's fantastic because, I mean, we're just so lucky because we have so much choice. And I have to say um, I'm one of those people that sort of plans all of my my travels and my holidays and everything around food. Of course, we can't do that at the moment. But when I'm thinking about somewhere I want to go, it's like, oh, where, where am I going to, what do I want to eat on the first night? Oh, and then for lunch the next day I'll go. Like it's all. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's things, you know, food, food that I really miss. But it'll be very much structured around where I'm going to eat. <laughs> I love that because most people would obviously plan their trip around um, sites that they want to see, but for you, the real thing is the food. I love that. Well, they can kind of fit together too because it might be a certain food in a particular location and it may not really even be about the food, but it might be about the experience of eating that food in a particular setting. Like one example I can think of. So um, some years ago I did an overseas volunteer placement in Laos and one of the things that everyone did at a certain time of the day was you'd go down to the Mekong River and you'd just sit on a plastic chair and you'd have beer lao which is the locally produced beer and then a few particular snacks that you didn't like snacks that were very different from what you would have in other places around the world but so much of it was about the setting and the people you're with and all of that so I think it's all really interconnected yeah, definitely. Have you done a lot of like traveling for your job as well? Like um, you mentioned what Laos, where else have you traveled? Yeah, yeah. look, I've, I've traveled quite a bit. Um, as part of my PhD, I, I actually did a trip to Myanmar as well. Um, that was, I, I'd actually finished all my data collection and I'd made my film and it was a bit, it was tricky because politically, Obviously, it's very sensitive and at the moment, of course, it's in such a terrible, terrible state and there's, you know, awful, awful things happening and awful things happening mm -hmm. to the families of people that I know in Coffs Harbour. So um, it wasn't like that 
when I was there, which was about four years ago. I, as I said, I'd finished my data collection, but I was still, I, I was taking photos of local food and talking to people. I wasn't really sort of collecting for my research, but I did use some of those photos in my thesis. And it was a way to kind of say, well, you know, this is what the food culture is like in Myanmar. And this is what it's like in Coffs Harbour. And you could kind of see that, you know, the parallels and also perhaps how people might've had to adapt a bit in Coffs Harbour. Um, but yeah, that, that was an amazing trip. I absolutely loved going there and I, you know, would love to spend more time there. Um, I've traveled quite a lot in Asia. So I've, I've been to most places and of course, you know, I've eaten lots of amazing food. Um, but I've also traveled quite a bit in Europe, not necessarily connected to my work. Although, I did have a, a really wonderful experience with my film for my PhD um, in that it was selected in a film festival in Paris. It was in 2016 and they invited me to go and actually talk about the film because, um, you know, they wanted the filmmakers to be there. It was an international film festival and there were people from all around the world there and so um, it was a festival that ran over, I think it was about three days and and I think that's another interesting thing actually about food is that it translates internationally. Like people all around the world are interested in, in food cultures um, and so I was able to screen the film and, you know, discuss some of the issues brought up in it. So that that was really wonderful. The, the film was in quite a few other international festivals as well. It was in Germany and Canada and Czech Republic and Finland, lots of places I didn't go to all of those unfortunately we wow. did that's still amazing though it was oh yeah it was wonderful we did um for the one in finland i think i did a I, it was um skype then it was before zoom was quite so popular but i think i skyped at like 2 a.m or something so i could present the <laughs> festival but yeah so i'm very yeah very interested in in traveling and experiencing other cultures yes i think that's one of the beauties of like modern travel, it's so easy to just get on a plane and go somewhere. I mean, maybe not so much now, but, you know, it's something that I think we should really, really um, take advantage of is travel. It's amazing. I think you, there's nothing like seeing various different parts of the world that you never thought you would see. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that, that now we just have such an appreciation of that and I think um, people will think about that you know, more respectfully in the future, I hope, when, you know, when we're able to travel again. Being um, a researcher, I can imagine it's a long, tiring, but rewarding part of your career. What kind of challenges have you faced within your research or, um, you know, within your career in general? Yeah, look, research is incredibly rewarding, actually. Um, I love it. And, in terms of challenges, I, look, I've just been so lucky in that I've sort of I had that long PhD project where I was working with the most amazing community leader, um, Tun Tun U, and I'll have to do a big shout out to him. He's actually an SCU graduate. Um, he was just so supportive and just worked really, really closely with me that, that that project was just such a dream. So I actually didn't really have any challenges. Um, so after that project, I started working on another another project for Anglican North Coast and I'm part of a research team with Dr. Louise Whittaker and Professor Barbara Rugendyke. 
and um and we've been doing this research it's been about five years because the, the initial project which was for 12 months was extended and then we've had more extensions and more projects and and that also has been absolutely incredible we've had so many different phases of the research um so in terms of the actual you know practical going out there and doing the research really there haven't been any challenges i guess the only thing that as an academic can be a bit challenging is that when you're when you're publishing in the academic space you know when you're going through the process of uh, writing a journal article submitting a journal article having it peer reviewed that process can be quite intense it can take a really long time i mean some journal articles can take quite a few years to publish wow really yeah and it, in fact one one article that um i published earlier this year it, it was a few years and they have to find people who are willing to review your work and find the experts who are appropriate and they obviously are getting lots of submissions. So, you know, it, it can be a, a very extended process. So I think, you know, being really patient while you're going through that process and getting feedback from reviewers and, and it's something that's made me really aware actually as a reviewer. So when I review other people's work, um, I, I try to do it as efficiently as possible. I try to get back to them really quickly. And also my comments, I try to be as sensitive and constructive as possible. And that's not, not what other people <laughs> always do, unfortunately. And I think it's important to encourage yeah. that kind of culture in academia um, so that we don't have this real distinction between, you know, that's academic publication and then this is more applied research because it's quite a different experience working across those two different areas of research. Um, a lot of the work that I've been doing ha has included both of those aspects. So we've had things like reports and books and art exhibitions and films and, and you know, more applied community-based research. So um, coming up with research products that an organisation can use, which is very different from from publishing in, you know, academic journals. Yeah, it sounds like it's such a extensive process. Can you imagine, like, you, I guess, you know, submitted something, and then oh, I could have put this in there, or you know, this this is now changed, or there's more information about this, and it'd be it'd be crazy, wouldn't it? And, you, you know, you certainly get that opportunity while something's under review to um, throughout the review process to, to change things, to add things in. And I mean, in fact, the review process can also be incredibly positive because you're getting really great feedback from experts in the field as well. Yes. Um, so you mentioned that you were part of an initiative for Anglicare the three E's to freedom. Tell us about the the program and and your involvement with it. Yeah, so so this was with um, my wonderful research colleagues Louise Whitaker and Barbara Rugendyke. Um, initially, there was a program set up in Coffs Harbour. So Anglican North Coast they used to look after the refugee settlement in Coffs Harbour for many years, and they created a program that was specifically for women from refugee backgrounds and it was about drawing on the, the skills they had and looking to enhance those skills. Essentially, it was an employment program, so they had funding from the federal government 
and it was about assisting these women to, you know, get um, sustainable employment. But actually it was much more than that. And once we started working with them, we realised that so much of it was actually about making social connections, that social connectedness, um, and also about networks and, and all of this really tied in. And then the overall goal of the program was to promote empowerment for these women. So Anglicare came to us and they were interested in documenting the program. They didn't want us to do just a just a traditional research um, kind of have that sort of traditional focus they actually wanted a film documenting the program and I'd actually worked a bit with Anglicare during my PhD research they, they'd been really great at, at facilitating some connections for me uh, and they'd seen my film as well and anyway they they wanted a film that that sort of captured the essence of the program and they wanted us to participate in um, the steering committee so actually feeding into what was going on in the program there were a whole number of different ways that we actually contributed to documenting the program so I was lucky enough to have that the job of actually doing the filming and so I, I'd get a, a phone call from the program manager saying Oh, okay, so this week um, the women are going to learn how to ride bikes, or they're, or we're going to swimming lessons, or they're doing self defence classes, or whatever it might be. And then I'd just go and tag along, and I'd chat to people and and film them doing these things. I didn't actually start filming straight away though. I went for quite a few weeks and just observed and got to know the women and, and had more of a social interaction, you know, maybe ate some food with them, so food again. Yeah. Um, but then over a period of a year I, I filmed little bits and pieces of what they'd been doing and then I edited that together in a film and Anglicare used that to apply for additional funding and I know the minister of, of the department watched the film and, and really liked it. And it kind of told the story of the program in a way that you can't really do just off, off the written word. And so that was really good. They, they loved it and more funding was given. And then from there the program expanded to Lismore and also the Gold Coast. And um, so and the women, of course, absolutely love the program <laughs> and that was really great actually expanding to those locations because the three researchers were based I'm in I'm in Coffs Barbara's in Lismore and Louise was on the Gold Coast so we were all able to kind of go and, and drop in and and see what was happening in the program in the second phase of the research we thought well how can we actually capture what's going on in the program in a different way so we did the film in the first one but but what else can we do and we were working a lot collaboratively with staff and also the women in the program and we came up with this idea of having art exhibitions because the women were doing all sorts of really interesting things within the program and they were starting to do some creative projects so um, sewing uh, story cloth which was this massive canvas that they were sort of painting on and, and depicting their stories uh, there was a lot of photography happening the women had uh, professional photographers come in and work with them and all sorts of different really creative wonderful things were going on and so we ended up capturing that in art exhibitions we had one at each of the locations and we also had a smaller version of those exhibitions on the SCU campuses and also in the Ignite 
studios in Ballina. So it was just a nice way for the women to be able to connect with their communities and share their stories. And we had all the people that came along, you know, just were incredibly moved by the women's stories. And so it was just a really nice way to kind of help promote social inclusion, I guess, in these areas. And what was it like to see, you know, like the the women experiencing different things, I think, that as we take for granted, like learning how to ride a bike and learning how to how to sew and, and I could imagine this would be a completely different experience for them and, and a really rewarding thing for yourself as well. Yeah, it was. It was so good to see their progress as well. So, for example, in swimming lessons, so some of the women had never been swimming before. I mean, some of them had lived in countries where they there was no um, no ocean, so they didn't have that opportunity to swim in the sea. And obviously it's really important to be able to swim in Australia. But going along to the pool and, and seeing them, you know, within a few weeks actually being able to swim, which was amazing, and some of them were quite nervous about getting in the water. Um, there were some really sad stories about some who had family members who drowned. So, oh, that's you know, it was a huge, it was a huge thing um, and just seeing what they achieved was incredible. With the sewing, of course, most of them already had really advanced sewing skills because you know in their own countries they made a lot of their own clothes or they you know had some kind of involvement with textiles so it was about actually putting them in a position where they could express that creativity there were in Coffs Harbour there was actually a textile artist that worked with the women and they made these beautiful round textiles that told a story from their childhood so they were learning some techniques from the textile artists, but they were really drawing on their own expertise. And, and that was something that the program was all about. It was about, you know, looking at this, the untapped skills that the women have and um, supporting them and encouraging them so, so that they could utilise those skills. You probably would also be learning something from them about how, how they would sew or skills that they had learned in their in their own country. I think at the moment women are facing immense hardship for their rights, especially with everything that's going on in Afghanistan at the moment. I think the media has really, I guess, shown us and brought awareness to this sort of situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I, and it's important to mention actually that that quite a few of the women in the program uh, were from Afghanistan. Um and yeah, I think you're right, learning from them is, is really important. And um, yes, absolutely, it's such an awful time in Afghanistan at the moment. So hopefully some of the women in the program, um, they've certainly been empowered by some of the skills that they've had and they're obviously worrying about their families as well. But hopefully they're sort of feeling more settled in their lives in Australia. There is so much more that goes on that we don't know about. And I've gained a, l- a little bit more of an understanding as to why people flee their home countries. It's not just because, you know, um, they just want to see, a, you know, a different country or whatever. It's it's to do with, you know, life or death situations as well. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of Australians actually don't have that awareness and they, they need to because, you know, having a refugee experience is so traumatic and 
the more that Australians know about this and they have that understanding, I think hopefully the more compassionate people will be and the more willing they'll be to embrace people from refugee backgrounds coming to Australia. Definitely. And, like, what do you hope for the future of refugee women settling into Australia? Like, what do you think um, us as individuals and Australia can do more to accommodate um, refugee women? Certainly. Oh, there's so much more that can be done. And I think it comes back to this question around awareness and understanding too. Um, I mean, even the government, the sort of the, the targets that they provide are, are really quite minimal. And so um, actually, I, I think people just need to be more compassionate. So hopefully along with that understanding, compassion will come. And also the realisation that people from diverse backgrounds can just contribute so much to Australian society. I mean, it's really not going to do anything other than enrich our broader community. So I am doing a sociology next session. It's something different. I, I really enjoy um, the culture side of things and experiences and stories from other people. What can I expect? Do you have any um, pointers for me? Sure. Um, well, firstly, I'll be seeing you because I'll be teaching in next session. What, what I hope that students get out of studying sociology is I hope they get something that's meaningful for them. I hope they can see that it has real world relevance, that it's not just some theoretical subject that, you know, you have to do now, you're choosing to do it. So that that's really wonderful. Really, the intention is just to open people's minds to a whole lot of different possibilities, to think differently about the world, to be open to different perspectives. One of the really fundamental kind of frameworks we use in, in sociology is the sociological imagination. And so it's really about thinking about issues and thinking about the world differently. So not just making a judgment about something based on the existing information that you have, but thinking a lot deeper, thinking of what's going on here? What are the structures in place? How can I think about something critically? How can I actually ask questions about it and think about, well, who benefits and who is disadvantaged? How can I think about the cultural differences? Um, and what can I actually do to, to change a situation? So it, it's also about action and it's about getting people to think about, you know, they're, they're your global citizens, everyone, all of our students, everyone, we're all global citizens. What can we actually do can, to contribute to make the world a better place and to address those issues of social justice and equity? So, so for me, if you get some kind of... Um, experience of that if it if it at least gets you thinking about it then that's fantastic that's really one of the main objectives of sociology it's very different from what i'm doing in media but at the same time it's not because they're interwoven a little bit it is it complements it so well um i mean i'm i'm a sociology advocate and i'll say that i think that everyone should study sociology because yeah. it will make you think about your discipline really differently but yeah it's it's incredibly well linked to media you know just in terms of analyzing representations of, of different issues um hopefully it will get you to think about that more deeply for students that are interested in, I guess, sociology as a career or human welfare and things like that, what can they expect from units included in some of those um, degrees at Southern Cross? Is there anything more um, that you haven't told me so far? Just in terms of a, a career, I mean, 
with social science, you can go into a range of different occupations. You might work for a community organisation. You might work in government or policy. There's so many different avenues there. It's really broad and, you know, depends a lot on your interests. Uh, Sociology is also a core unit in community welfare and social work. And so all of those students will, will do the unit um, right at the beginning of their degree. And so, you know, these students obviously social work, you're going to go on into the social work field, but community welfare, you might be working broadly in, in a range of different community or government organisations. And sociology is taught at the beginning, uh, you know, a little bit like um, what I've already said about sociology. It's just about getting you to think about people's experiences really broadly. And so, you know, if, if you have if you're working with a client, thinking about their life experience and valuing their life experience and, and thinking about what they've encountered and how that actually shapes um, their their life chances, their outcomes, I guess. So, um, yeah, thinking very broadly about societal experiences but applying them to those real-world experiences. I'm very excited to, um, to do the sociology unit and I think that um... – Southern Cross offers so many different things um, that you could interlink with other other degrees. And, yeah, like sociology and human welfare and all those sort of uh, like units and degrees sort of inter interweave and you have so many avenues, which is great. Yeah, definitely. What advice would you give to students aspiring to help make a difference for refugees? Getting involved, um, you know, learning about experiences so you know doing your own research finding out what you can about what people from refugee backgrounds experience but if you have some capacity to make some connections if you can volunteer depending on where you live there might be an opportunity to be a volunteer English tutor um, and that's actually something I did some years ago so people arriving in Australia from refugee backgrounds will have a certain number of hours they can do for English classes and some of them aren't actually able to go and attend classes. They might have children, they, they might be unwell or there might be various reasons why they can't attend. So, so there is some capacity to actually do some training and then volunteer as an English tutor. Um, so that could be one way. Having a look, there's a whole lot of different campaigns happening at the moment, especially in relation to Afghanistan and Myanmar. So looking at how can you actually support a campaign, whether that's through donating, signing a petition, um, you know, sharing information, that there's a lot of different ways that people can become engaged. Having a look at um, the Refugee Council of Australia, they've got a whole stack of different links on their website so people can learn a bit more there, but there's a number of different organisations. In If you're in a rural or regional area, there's um, the Rural Australians for Refugees is a support group and there's a number of different groups and sometimes they'll have market stalls when markets are happening. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that, that people can get involved. But I think if you have the opportunity to make a connection and, and meet someone from a refugee background and, and get to know them, then that, that's when you really get that firsthand experience and that will really help with your understanding of the issues that they face. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today, Mandy, and talking to us about you know, your career and, and everything about how we can make a difference. Thanks so much, Lauren. Thanks for having me. And I'm really looking forward to meeting you in sociology. Mm -hmm.